We're on the series called Songs of the Season. We started off the series with Pastor David, and he spoke about uh, a sermon titled, Have You Forgotten Your Song? Talking about the song that Mary, the mother of Jesus, sang after receiving the news that she was about to bear a child uh, who, was, who was the Messiah of the world. And then last week, we saw Pastor Luz, our senior pastor, speak about um, a sermon titled, Saved to Serve, talking about the song of Zechariah, the high priest, the father of John the Baptist, and uh, how his son's role was to prepare the way of the Lord um, in that song as well. I want to just ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads as we look to God in prayer before I bring the word to you. Lord, we come before you knowing that you are our Father. We thank you for this day. We ask today that you would speak to each person's heart according to the power of your spirit. Give us all the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, God. Make our hearts fertile soil. Plant the seed of your word that it may bear much fruit and harvest in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this is what's going to happen today. I'm going to bring to you quickly a simple gospel message, and I believe that as I preach to you, the word that I preach to you will be breathed by the Holy Spirit, and he will talk to your heart personally, and you will have a chance to respond to the call of Jesus. If you've never given your life to Jesus, and if you find yourself here at a church setting where you've never been to a church, maybe you've never even heard the name Jesus, Today you'll hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and it will save you. And Jesus will encounter you and your life will be changed forever. Maybe it's someone who's watching online. I believe that today Jesus wants to encounter you. I also want to talk to you if you're in this room and maybe you were following Jesus but you feel like you walked away from him. You feel like you're caught up in a mess of sin and turned your back on Jesus. I believe the arms of Jesus are still wide open for you. His mercy, his love is waiting for you. And today when you hear the word of God, you too will have a chance to turn and give your life to Jesus again. Maybe you're sitting in this room and you know a lot about the word of God. Maybe you grew up in church. You know all the churchy, Christian-y stuff. But you know a lot about God, but you don't know God himself. You see, there are many people who know about God but don't know God. Today, I believe Jesus will encounter you so that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ yourself where you will not know about him, but you'll know him personally. Last but not the least, there are many of you who are serving, who are doing everything in your power to build the kingdom of God. Today, I believe, is a day of breakthrough is a season we are entering, is a season of breakthrough. I know it, I feel it, I've received it. And I know many of you will receive breakthrough even as I bring the word today. I like stories and I know many of us do. As a matter of fact, the best-selling industry in the world is the entertainment industry. In other words, the storytelling industry. So if you like to hear a story, I want to see you wave your hands at me. Let me see who likes to hear a story. There we go. You see, I, want, I, lo- I love to share stories, and I believe the Holy Spirit gave me a story for this word. There was once a man, his name was Robert. He was a loving father. He was a single parent. He lost his wife to cancer after she gave birth to his 
one and only daughter, Julie. You see, Robert loved his daughter so much, he would feed her, he would change her diapers, he would snuggle her, he would kiss her, he would carry her, he would dance with her, everything, his world revolved around his daughter, Julie. But in the night, he would do something unique. Right before she'd go to sleep, he would sing a song to her. Julie, my precious girl, oh, how you are, my world. No matter how far or near, know that I'm always here. And he would take his right hand and place it on her heart. And she, he would do that again and again till she fall asleep. She started growing older. She was about three years old. And suddenly he received a tragic information that his country was at war. And all the men were required to go and serve their country fighting in war. Julie was his entire world. His heart sank within himself and he was broken. He began to cry, but he had no choice. He lifted up his precious daughter and he looked into her eyes and he made her a promise. Julie, I will come back home to you one day. And with that being said, he departed to go to war. Julie, in the meanwhile, was taken and put in an orphanage. It was hard for her because all she knew was a daddy's love and care. And now there was no daddy. It was extremely difficult for her. Every night before she'd fall asleep, she'd sing the song that her father would sing to her. That song when her father was around was a song of comfort to her. But now that her father's gone for war, it became a song of hope, hoping that her father would come back. So months passed on and she would sing it every night and go to sleep hoping that a father would come. The war ended. The men began to return home. But unfortunately, Robert did not. She saw all the fathers return to the children. And she was devastated. She thought her dad was dead. It broke her heart. From that day onward, she stopped singing the song because it became a song of pain. It brought deep heartache to her. So years went on. Now Julie's a teenager. But every night, she would cry to sleep because she would remember the voice of her father. And she was in pain. But one night... Just as she was about to go to sleep, she heard a familiar voice. It was the voice of her father. She could not believe it. She didn't dare open her eyes to look. But then at the end of the song, her father put his hand on her chest. And that's when she knew that it was her dad. They both embraced each other and they wept in each other's arms. And Robert told her, I was held captive. But I will always come back to you, my daughter, to keep my promise. My friends, I want to read to you the scripture that we have for today from Luke chapter 2, verse 25, all the way through to verse 33. Luke chapter 22, verse 25, all the way to verse 33. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. 
And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do to him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light of re- for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. You see, there's something powerful in a song. You see, a song is sung And it has the key to unlock the listener's heart. As a matter of fact, in order to sing a song, you need to engage your vocal cords. And in order to engage your vocal cords, you need to have a synchronized vibration in your vocal cords for you to produce such harmony. I know I'm talking a lot of science stuff here. Just go with me. Did you know that our entire body is is in a constant state of vibration? Our entire body. We might not see it, but on a minute level, we are all vibrating all the time. Where does that vibration come from? Which organ is the source of vibration? Who can answer the question? The heart. The heart is in a constant motion of vibration. Through the heart, the vocal cords are engaged and a song is released. But when the song is released, the thing that it impacts the most is your heart. That's why when Justin Bieber came out with his first single, all the teenagers went bonkers. They were in love with him because he sounded so amazing. He became their heartthrob. He made their heart beat, in other words. He robbed their heart. There's something about a song that unlocks the heart. We see that even in scripture... There was a man who was named after God's own heart, and his name is David. Only one man mentioned as a man who was after God's own heart, David. Why was he a man after God's own heart? Because he wrote the Psalms, which is a book filled with songs. He also established 24-7 prayer at the tabernacle, all because he had a heart to sing songs to the heart of God. That originated in his heart that touched the heart of God. And that's why he was called a man after God's own heart. There's power behind the song. There's power behind a song that is sung. You see in the story that I just said. The song had different responses of emotion attached to the song at different seasons of Julie's life. In the first season of Julie's life, the song became a song of comfort because she could feel her father's hand, because she could touch her father. She knew her father was present. 
But in the next season, when her father had to go and fight in the war, it became a song of hope, expecting her father to return home soon to keep his promise. But when the other, when the men returned from war, she experienced pain because her expectation was not met in her time. And she was broken and that song invoked a new response in her, which was a response of pain. That's why she cried every night as she went to sleep. But in the end, when her father returned after all those many years, that same song became a song of celebrating. As they embraced each other, it became a song of celebration that led to a revelation. And that revelation was, my father always keeps his promise. The title for today's sermon is A Song of Revelation. A Song of Revelation. We see that this story is a reflection of what happens between a relationship between God and his children, the nation of Israel. Just like the story, we see the same pattern unfold. The nation of Israel were held captive in Egypt. And the Lord rescued them and brought them out. And when he brought them out of Egypt, Moses' sister, whose name is Miriam, she sang a song. And in that song, according to Exodus chapter 15, verse 2, she said, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And we see in Exodus chapter 15, verse 6 and 12, two times she she mentions in verse 6, That by his mighty right hand, he rescued us. And the third time again, by his mighty right hand, he rescued us. Just like Julie, who could feel her father's right hand. Miriam was in a song of comfort when the Lord began to draw Israel out of Egypt. And he was present in there with his mighty right hand. How was he there with his mighty right hand? He was a cloud by day protecting them. but And he was a... pillar of fire by night protecting them his presence was tangible just like Julie's father's presence was tangible and then the presence of God moved to the tabernacle and the Lord was at the center and they moved all through the wilderness and they entered into the promised land and when they entered into the promised land they were ruled with judges and then they wanted a king and God gave them a king and then David came along David came along and he was so moved by God Because that, you know why David wrote so many songs? Because David is a person in the Bible who we see in his life filled with ups and downs. And most of the songs that he wrote came from his valley moments. He wrote all the Psalms to God. And he said to the Lord, Lord, I want to build a permanent place for you. I want to build a temple for you. And God heard his prayer and says, because you want to build a temple for me, David, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build your kingdom in a sense, the seed that comes from you or your lineage, there will come a king and he will sit on a throne and his throne will last forever. God reversed it and gave him a promise. Now the nation of Israel shifted with that promise from A season where God was their comfort to a season where there is hope for a coming Messiah. A song of hope began to birth. 
And from that place of a song of hope, we see the nation of Israel fast forward, many kings come and go, and then there's the Babylonian empire that comes and takes the nation of Israel as exiles back to Babylon. Now the presence of God has left the the tabernacle, the temple. No more presence, they're gone. That song of hope became a song of pain. In that wilderness, we see that in Psalms chapter 137 verse two, there's a song that's written by the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept. There was a weeping and a season of pain in the exile that they were in Babylon. Now Nehemiah came and they restored the temple, they built the temple, they prayed and they thought the presence of God would come, but guess what? The presence of God did not. And then following that, many prophets came and there was this expectancy, and then all of a sudden there's a pause, 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and New Testament. The song of comfort transitioned to a song of hope. From there it transitioned to a song of pain because there was silence. The voice of God was ceasing to speak. And then there was good news again. The Lord began to speak again. He spoke to the high priest Zechariah about the coming Messiah, restoring and reigniting the hope. Then he again spoke to Mary. And then we find ourselves in the scripture where he also spoke to Simeon. This is point number one. Promises come to those who build a throne for God. Now there was a, I'm going to read that core scripture verse, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit He would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You see, my friends, if there's one thing we understand about this person named Simeon, he was a man who was righteous and devout. Other translations say he was a man of righteousness and justice. Now, let me tell you what righteousness and justice means according to this verse that I'm about to read to you. Psalms chapter 89 verse 14 Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. That means Simeon had lived a lifestyle where he had built a throne for God because he he worked out and he lived out the foundational factors which were righteousness and justice. Now if you imagine a throne, a throne in other words is a glorified chair. Now the foundation of a chair is guess what? It's legs. The legs are the foundation of, of, of the chair. So the Holy Spirit began to show me, and when I was preparing this, I was shocked. The Holy Spirit showed me there was someone in the New Testament who also prepared a throne for God. And this person's name is Mary of Bethany. The way she built a throne for God is when she recognized that the feet of Jesus, remember legs? The feet of Jesus is a holy place. 
Mary of Bethany came and she bought an expensive perfume. She went and searched her entire house and got the most expensive perfume of perfume worth a year's wages, put it in the most expensive jar called the alabaster jar. And she came and she saw the feet of Jesus and she realized that's the altar right there. She didn't care what the naysayers were thinking. She went, she fell at his feet. She broke the alabaster jar. She poured the perfume at the feet of Jesus. She began to cry and she wiped his feet with her hair. How do you build a throne for God? It's at the feet of Jesus. You build a throne for God when you bring a sacrificial worship to God. You see, when Mary of Bethany, she came and broke that alabaster jar, it was a tangible substance. She didn't just wipe the feet of Jesus with her hair and tears. She poured the perfume. My friends, many of us in church, we come, and I'm not trying to be, you know, insensitive, but we shed so many tears, and the Lord collects every tear. But there is a degree of devotion that comes when you bring an extravagant soft offering which is tangible to the Lord which is also deemed as worship. That's point number one on how to build a throne for God. The same person we see in the next instance in the story where her brother Lazarus has died and is in the tomb rotting away. She goes and runs to Jesus And she realizes that she needs to find a familiar place to get the message across to Jesus. So instead of doing anything else, she falls to the feet of Jesus. She falls to the feet of Jesus and she does something unique. She prays a prayer of petition. And she says, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. The point number two on how to build a throne for God is through prayer and petitioning and intercession. That's what Mary did at the feet of Jesus again. Then we see that same Mary, now her brother's raised from the dead. Jesus comes and visits her home. Martha's busy doing the dishes and cooking a meal for Jesus. And Mary again finds herself at that similar spot. At the feet of Jesus. And she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because she's already building a throne for Jesus. She's sitting there. And guess what she's doing? She's listening to the words of Jesus. Point number three on how to build a throne for God. You let Jesus speak to you through the word of God. You let Jesus speak to you through the word of God. Now why did I say that? I didn't say read your Bible. Big difference. Jesus said this. He looks at the Pharisees and he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in the scriptures you have hope. But you don't want to find me. There's a, you have to read the Bible and let Jesus speak to you through the Bible. Otherwise it's religion. It's not relationship. Now coming back. Okay. <laughs> Coming back to the story of uh, Simeon, did you know, let me go here, Hmm. all right, so guess what, Simeon's parents, they see Simeon, this is just exaggeration, all right, Simeon's parents see Simeon and they want to name him something, 
There's been 400 years of silence and the Lord has not spoken. And, he's, and, she, and they're looking at Simeon and they're wondering what to name him. And they, 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 they figure out if there's anything that's meaningful to name him, it would be Simeon. You know why they named him Simeon? Because the name Simeon means to hear. Because Simeon was named Simeon, he also followed and built the throne for God. God spoke to him through his Holy Spirit. You see, names are significant. Names carry prophetic destinies attached to the names. We see Abraham, father of nation, from Abram to Abraham. We see Jacob, who was called deceiver. They play out what their names mean. But Simeon was not a high priest. You might be look, sitting here and be like, yeah, you know, it's the pastor's job to build a throne for God. He's supposed to or she's supposed to, you know, pray and intercede and hear Jesus through the word and worship the Lord and give extravagant offerings. I'm not supposed to do that. Simeon was not a high priest. He was just another man who was devout and righteous and he found favor in the eyes of God. And that's why God spoke to him. My friends, you are coming to church and listening to the word of God. You too can be a Simeon if you began to build a throne for God. You need to put in the sacrifice. You need to do it so that you too can receive revelation from God. Now the best part about this is that Simeon, he did not receive a generic promise. Now Deuteronomy 28 talks about promises. You will be the head and not the tail. All these wonderful promises. But guess what? Simeon did not get a generic promise. Instead, Simeon got a unique promise that was designed for himself. The promise that the Holy Spirit revealed to him is, before you see death, you will see the Lord's Christ. In other words, you will see the Messiah with your own eyes. That was a unique promise. It wasn't a generic promise. If only you begin to build the altar of God, God will begin to speak to you and give you unique promises for you so that you too can say, I have seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. That means before I pass away, I'm going to see the promises tailor-made for me come to pass. Promises come. To those who build a throne to God. Point number two. On the other side of a season of waiting, your song becomes a song of celebrating. On the other side of a season of waiting, your song becomes a song of celebrating. You see, Simeon was waiting. It says in verse 25. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. In other words, he was waiting for the Messiah of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 28, he sees the promise fulfilled. He took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He literally went from a season of waiting and a song of waiting for the consolation of Israel to literally tangibly holding the salvation of Israel in his very own arms. On the other side of the season of waiting, 
Your song becomes a season of celebrating. Now what we don't know is the time that Simeon received that promise from the Holy Spirit saying that you will not see death until, until you see the Lord's Christ to the time where he actually saw the Lord. We don't know what that time span is. But one thing we can definitely speculate that is this. That because Simeon said this statement, now I can die in peace, it means that he was an old man. That means he had waited for a long time. That means in that time of waiting, he was not just sitting on his back. Instead, he was constantly pursuing God. How do you, how do you know that he was constantly pursuing God? Because guess where did Simeon find Jesus? He found Jesus in the temple. He wasn't sitting at home and waiting saying, God proved to me your promise. You said it'll happen. I'm just going to sit back and wait to see it happen. No, he was actively waiting, continuing to be devout, continuing to build an altar for God. Why? Because God became his number one desire. God became his number one desire. God became his number one desire. God became the goal of Simeon's life. He was righteous and devout and consistent all that time while he was waiting. But many believers today, God, you begin with God being your goal, but somewhere along the line, your goals become your God. You start off with God, me and you, God, let's do this. And your goal is your pursuit with God and to walk with God. And all of a sudden, your goals begin to shift. And now your goals become your God. And now you want your goals to be conquered. Therefore, you're saying, God, give me this, give me this, give me this. I'm not saying goals are wrong. But make God the number one pursuit of your life. Don't sit on your promise. Consistently be faithful and active just like Simeon. Point number three is this. Simeon received not only a promise, but a unique revelation. And he received this revelation to reveal. So point number three is this. He was, it was revealed to him to reveal. So we see this in verse 31. That you have prepared in the presence of all people. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. And for the glory. Now watch this. It's a very important part here. And for glory to your people Israel. Revelation to Gentiles. For glory to your people Israel. Revelation to Gentiles for glory to your people Israel. Arguably, I don't know if you caught it. All through the scriptures, all the prophets prophesied in part. They knew that the Messiah would come. But not many prophets, and there's an argument here. Simeon may have been the first person to receive revelation that Jesus the Messiah was not just for the nation of Israel, but for the Gentiles and the entire world as well. Jesus was not just for Israel, even though all the prophets thought that, thought that Jesus was just for Israel. No, Jesus was the salvation of the entire world. That's the unique revelation that Simeon received. That was the unique revelation that Simeon received. He realized that the salvation and the savior of Israel was actually the savior of the world. Jesus was the savior not only of the nation of Israel, but for us today as well. 
Jesus saved us as well. When he died on the cross, he saved us as well. When he rose from the dead, he saved us as well. But remember I made you repeat this point. It was a light of revelation to Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. The Israelites began to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and the Gentiles got saved. But in doing so, they received glory from God. What do I mean by that? You have been given a revelation of Jesus Christ. Because it's not just for you and your family and your household. You'll pray and war and fast for your household all day long. And I'm not saying it's wrong. Keep doing it. But how can you let that stranger walk by when the price that Jesus paid for your household and you, and you know the benefits of Jesus because you're living a life that is way different than your past because Jesus changed your life. You want that for your family. But what about the stranger? What about the one in the grocery store? What about your neighbor? What about those people who are walking by? Jesus paid that same price for them too. You have been revealed the truth and the salvation from Jesus Christ. Christ so that you can bring that message to not only a family but also the strangers out there I want you all to stand your feet real quick you see my friends the presence of God was external when the nation of Israel left Egypt he was there as a cloud by day and fire by night he was there in the wilderness in the middle in the tabernacle he stayed in the tabernacle until there was a temple built and even in the temple the presence of God came the season of comfort turned into a season of hope But then came a season of pain where the voice of God ceased and the presence of God left until Jesus came. When Jesus came, the entire game changed. Jesus came to bring salvation, in other words, to make a new temple. Jesus came and died on the cross to make new temples. He made you and I living stones of temples so that when he died on the cross you and I could be eligible candidates so that the presence of God no longer can be an external thing it can be an internal thing when Jesus died on the cross and he raised from the dead he resurrected he ascended and sat at the right hand of God he sent the Holy Spirit who came and lives on the inside of us Just like Julie's dad returned home. You and I, my friends, we have a God who lives on the inside of us. It's one of the most profound mysteries. God in a mortal being. That's literally what it is at the end of the day. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I know there are many of you who might have walked away from God, who might have never known about Jesus. Your heart is racing right now. 
you feel something that's different what we experience during worship it doesn't just have to be a one time thing you can take the presence of god with you cuz when jesus died on the cross he made your bodies living stones temples so that he can live in you but he can only do that if you invite him into your heart if there is anyone here who wants to let jesus into your heart stop going through the cycles of pain and waiting and false hope that comes from people whether it's good or bad we know that people cannot satisfy us you might be going from relationship to relationship friendship to friendship leaving one job going to another going from one church to another all because you think that people can satisfy only jesus and today you have that opportunity so if that is you and you want to invite jesus into your heart he will send his holy spirit to live on the inside and there are many of us here who are witnesses to a life transformed because of the presence of the holy spirit in us if that is you and you want to invite jesus into your heart i want you to raise your hand as high as you can raise your hand as high as you can if you've never given your life to jesus raise your hand if you used to walk with the lord and you've walked away from the lord and you want to return to the lord if that is you i want to see you raise your hands as well i see you brother i see you sister is there anybody else i see you brother Is there anybody else? Don't miss this opportunity. It's not every day that you get you get the presence of God on this tangible measure. So with your hands raised, I want to tell you something real quick. When Jesus died on the cross, he was crucified in the most public place in the marketplace. Where everybody could see him. He was crucified publicly for you. And I want you to take a bold step of faith and step forward to respond to what the Lord has done. Come on forward, brother. Come on forward. Come on, come on forward. If Jesus did it publicly, you can do it publicly as well. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your courage. Now brothers, I want you to pray a prayer with me. It's not the prayer that will save you. It's Jesus who you pray to. He is the one who'll save you. He's the one who who called on your name. So I'm going to say a prayer, repeat the prayer but say it to Jesus. Whatever you do, please say it to Jesus. say dear lord jesus i give you my life today 
I'm done waiting. I'm done running. Today, I make you my Lord. Jesus, I call on you now. Save me now. Wash me clean from all my sin. I receive your forgiveness today. My past is gone. My future is written. I am your son. Fill me with your Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Just go ahead, pray for them. And for the rest of you, I believe the Lord gave me this word actually as a prophetic declaration. In the last month, prayers that have been, that we've prayed for years, we've got answers to it. I know many of you are in a season of waiting. I remember when prayers were beginning to get answered and others were receiving breakthrough. I felt bad because where was my breakthrough? Just being real. But I learned to celebrate them. And I celebrated them. And I too received my breakthrough. And I believe the Lord had divinely orchestrated me to preach today. To declare to you. That before the end of 2022. There will be breakthrough. All the prayers have reached the throne of God. All the fasting, all the praying, everything has reached the throne of God. It's a season of breakthrough. Celebrate your breakthrough. Celebrate it. The Bible tells us to do it. Let the barren woman sing. Let those who are mourning shout for joy. Because weeping may last the night. each one I pray that you would continue to speak to them through your Holy Spirit as they continue to do life that they carry the divine presence of God on the inside of them that they would be a light of revelation to the Gentiles to their neighbors to their friends to everybody because of what Jesus has done in their lives In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.